Again, good morning to you. We're in a series in the Gospel of Matthew looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning we come to this text where Jesus talks about treasures. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, hear the word of the Lord. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness... How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, You know, this is an interesting text because, like, just think about one of the things Jesus says here. You know, if the light within you is darkness, then how does that work? right? Light is light. Like, what is happening here? Jesus is doing some interesting stuff here to kind of push at a really important question of this this idea of how do you assess the inner self? Like, how do you assess the heart? How, How does the reality of God's love for us shape us? And he does it all with this one statement of, you know, what do you treasure? Because that's where your heart is. So as I was thinking about this week about things we treasure, like the idea of like really crazy collections came to mind. Um, you know, there are people who collect cars, for example, right? You know, if you don't think of Jerry Seinfeld when I say that, you just don't know Jerry Seinfeld. He was actually number 10 on this top 10 car collectors list. He was the last of the 10. Jerry has like, what was the collection? Over 100 vehicles. He collects rare Porsches or something. They're estimating several million dollar um, kind of collection. Jay Leno, you've probably heard of that guy. He has a collection of 200 vehicles. It's worth over $350 million. That sounds crazy, right? The number one guy, it's a sultan. And it's just so much bigger than everyone else's collection. I don't know why they're on the same list. But listen to this. He has 7,000 vehicles in his collection. It's worth $20 billion. Like, what? I mean, that's a crazy collection. Maybe you don't care about cars. You're like, I'm not a motorhead, whatever. So let me talk to my artist for a moment, all right? The most valuable art collection in the world is owned by these two brothers named Ezra and David Namad. Have you ever heard about these guys? Their collection, they have over $9 million worth of Picassos, okay? Um, they have, it's, the total value of the art collection is $3 billion. Now, that's a huge art collection. Here's the irony. They don't care about art. Neither of the brothers really care about art at all. It is all just about the value of the treasure. It's like, oh, this art's worth that. It's a good business transaction. It holds its value. It's whatever. So the art community doesn't really love them very much, right? Because they have the biggest collection, and they care the least about it. You know, what do you treasure? What do you really hold to be valuable, Because what you treasure, as Jesus tells us, reveals the inner person. It's like a diagnostic tool he gives to us to ask the question of, what do I treasure? Where is my heart? Now, the biblical idea of the inner person is something that's used throughout the scriptures. Jesus talks about the heart, right? Hearts are important. He's like, what's, you know, where's your heart? He talks about this idea of an eye, that sort of eyes are like a window to the soul. 
Um, but he uses this example of like a lamp. Like what lamp are you holding up to show light on what it is you're seeing in the world? Or to use a more modern day example, it's like lenses. Jesus is saying, what lens do you use to interpret the world around you? What lens do you use to determine your own soul, to assess who you are? How do you assess those things? Or maybe you've heard this, you are what you eat, right? You are what you eat. Yeah, you become, for some reason, the way God's made us, the thing you value most begins to shape you in a deep part of who you are. What do you treasure? That's where your heart is. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk through these verses and see what, and try to listen to this as you're hearing it for the first time. Like, what is Jesus trying to communicate to us about what we treasure? And then the question we're going to ask at the end is, what are you devoted to? Why does that matter? What are you really devoted to? Why does it matter? So, looking at verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, right? If you really, really value something, don't put it in a place where it would be in danger. Now, there's two kind of types of, decay, types of uh, attack Jesus talks about here. There's an active one and there's a passive one. This active one, obviously, is sort of this idea of like thieves breaking in. You know, have you ever had anything stolen from you? Jamie and I have had thieves break into our house before and steal a lot of things. Like, if you really treasure something and value it, you know, and someone comes and takes it away, it's just gone. Jesus is saying, be careful. If the main thing you derive your meaning and your value from is something that can just be taken away from you, that's precarious. But then there's this idea of decay also. Things just decay and break down. If you ever go look at my Jeep outside, you'll see there's a lot of rust on it. I want you to know that when I bought it and when it was designed, the goal wasn't to one day have a lot of rust on it. That wasn't, that wasn't the setup. Or I had this cargo box on top of my car, and I was going to see some family up in Lubbock, and the boy, William and Walker were with me, and we're driving up there, and we're just cruising along. And, you know, if you've ever been to that part of Texas, it's really flat, and the winds were blowing like 30 miles an hour crosswind, and it was sub-freezing conditions, and all of a sudden, boom. And the boys were like, what was that? And I was like, I don't know. It seems like something, somebody ripped something off my car. Oh, yeah, I have a cargo box on top of my car. And what had happened was this cargo box that's over 12 years old that has endured the sun that has broken it down and the winds, besides the headwinds with the crosswinds and everything else, the weather it's endured, the hail um, that it's had on it, eventually it just, it just broke. Thankfully, our snowboards didn't fly off the road and kill anybody. But, you know, like, we live in a world that tends toward chaos and disorder. It breaks down. Jesus is saying here, be careful. Don't store up for yourselves treasures. What do you value most? Are you putting it in a place where it's safe? You know, um, I have, I was just talking to my daughter because her and Noah are getting married this year. We're talking about what the worship service is going to be like. And so what did Jamie do? But she got out the bulletin from our wedding from 22 years ago. You know, how much sense would it make for me to take that bulletin, put it in a cardboard box in the backyard and say, it's safe there. It's going to be destroyed. Jesus is saying, do you understand where your treasure is? That's where your heart is. What do you treasure? Where are you putting it? Is it safe? Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, Jesus is getting into some really difficult stuff for us to wrap our brains around. This metaphysical reality that there's a dimension beyond ourselves 
There's a power beyond ourselves, a power beyond any other power in all the universe that's able to take what is meant to be precious to us and watch over it and protect it. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That is just so hard for us to even understand. And yet Jesus is saying something here that feels impossible, maybe unrealistic, even unreachable, and he says, I want you to put what you value most in that place because that's where it's safe. That's where God the Father watches over. That's where I watch over it. Nothing can come in and take it. Nothing can, it will not decay. It is safe in that place because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you see how that's a diagnostic tool? You know, we're in the season of Lent right now. Lent is not about you trying harder. It's not about you being better. It's not about you finally getting serious and saying, okay, I'm, I'm serious now. I'm, really, I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to do this thing. Lent is about examining yourself. Jesus is saying, examine your heart. Don't put stuff, don't put what you treasure most in places it can be destroyed. Put it in a place where it can't be destroyed. Here's the diagnostic tool. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's no tertium quid. There's no third option. The thing you value most and consider to be most dear is either in a place where it can be destroyed or it's in a place where God has it. That is it. And the reason it matters where your treasure is is because that's where your heart is. That's where your soul is. It's not a might. That's reality. And Jesus is revealing it to us so that we could examine ourselves. Then in verses 22 and 23, Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so Jesus is giving us some examples because we're very physical beings. Like, you know, please, please Lord Jesus, keep it simple for us. And he's like, okay, heart is one example. How important is your heart to you? Everybody's heart in this room is currently beating. I can, I can see that's happening. It moves our blood around. It moves oxygen around. It moves food around. It's how we're healed. You know, our body takes care of itself that way. Jesus is saying, your heart's significant, right? That's one example of understanding the inner person is I want you to think about your understanding of who I am wholly, completely, as central to you as your heart. And then he uses this example of the eye. The eye is a lamp of the body. We read that healthy eyes means that our whole body will be full of light and healthy. That unhealthy eyes means our whole body will be full of darkness or unhealthy. Again, really simple. Does anybody prefer a shattered arm? I've actually never broken a bone except a little one on my wrist, but for those of you who have broken a bone, do you prefer a broken bone or not a broken bone? Right? It's super simple. Jesus is saying, look, there is this idea of how you see the world. What light do you use to see the world? You ever, blue, you ever seen a blue light or a red light? Makes everything look red, makes everything look blue. Jesus is saying, how do you see your inner value? How do you see your inner person? How do you see other people? You will either choose a way that's over here or you'll choose this way, my way. How do you interpret the world? Some people are optimists. They see good things when they're not there. Some people are pessimists. And they see bad things when they're not there. What's wrong with both those perspectives? Both of them don't see reality as it actually is. Jesus is saying, if you hold up, there's a certain light you can hold up 
It will let your eyes see the world around you. It will shine into who you are, and it will actually do what for you? It'll make you healthy. It'll give you light. It will let you see. Christ here is asking us, what light do we use to see the world? I have a friend named Brandon. He's colorblind. I actually have a couple friends here who are colorblind, and I don't quite understand how this works, but my brother and another friend bought Brandon a very special gift for his birthday. They were a type of glasses you put on that somehow let colorblind people see color. I don't quite understand it. But it's funny because Joey sent me the video. Brandon picks up the glasses. Go, oh, cool. Those are kind of goofy glasses, but whatever. It's my birthday. That's great. He puts them on. And he goes, whoa. It's like he's seeing the world as it actually is. Do you actually see yourself in the world as it actually is? Diagnostic tool. Where's your treasure? That's where your heart will be. Think about the idea of forgiveness. Why do you forgive people? Without the gospel, we forgive people because we either think they deserve it, or we think we get some kind of benefit from it, or we're just trying to solve some problem over there. Why, as Christians, do we forgive people? Because Jesus has forgiven us. How does Jesus forgive us? At great cost to himself, so that we can have his grace. Or think about loving people, or serving people. How do we see the world? What light do we hold up to help us think about, can I forgive this person? Can I love this person? Should I give my life to this thing? We hold up the light of God's grace and his truth, and it shines a light that lets our eyes see in such a way that Jesus would describe it as healthy. Your whole body will be full of light. Such a good text for us to think about during this season of Lent as we're approaching the cross. Jesus dying on Good Friday, his resurrection on Easter. How do we see the world? What lamp do you reach for? All right. Then Jesus goes on, and this is a really clear example. He's not mincing words. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or mammon. Remember how I said there's no tertium quid? You know, I said that word so like it stick in your head. There's no third option. You will either, at the core of who you are, treasure God's love for you, or you will treasure something else. Both of them lead to certain paths. Both of them promise different things. What Jesus is promising is a treasure that cannot decay, that cannot be destroyed. A treasure that is yours by grace and through faith. All the other things promise another kind of treasure. Where is your hope? You know, Jesus talks here about hate and despising and then loving and devotion. So let me talk about that for a second. Because my mom always told me I'm never allowed to say I hate someone or I hate something, right? So what is Jesus saying here? Let me give you an example. The other day I was unloading the dishes in my house and I was about halfway done and Walker came in the room, my son, and he had all his baseball clothes on and he was he was like ready to go, he needed to go to baseball, and he said, hey dad, I need you to help me move the cars. So, I helped him move the cars, because my daughter was parked behind Walker, and then Jamie's car wasn't in the garage, so we had to like do this like little puzzle thing, where I had to like move a car, he had to move a car, then we had to move another car, and then he was able to, to leave the house, right? I came back in the house, Walker got off to baseball, I'm sure he had a great game, um, but I came back in the house and I started doing other things. And about 20 minutes later, I came around the corner of the kitchen and you know what I saw? 
my dishwasher open, one of the drawers pulled out as if I had completely forgotten about it. Do you see what happens there? I had completely disregarded what I was doing because there was something else that was more important. Jesus is making a question of priority here. Now, eventually I came back and I did the dishes. You know, someone else didn't have to do it. But do you see, do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, you will either disregard who I am and what I've said and give yourself to this other thing, or you will disregard that thing and give yourself to me. There's not two choices. One of those will be the master of who you are in that moment. So then Jesus talks about love and devotion, a love that is so encompassing, so complete, so whole, that it is all of who we are, a full-bodied kind of love, a kind of love that Paul describes this way in the book of Romans chapter 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is saying there's no power that's out there that has the power to keep me from loving you. Height, depth, demons, principalities, whatever it is, not even your own sin. There's a love for you from him that is greater than that. Or John 3.16, a text you've heard many times. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's the kind of powerful love that he's offering, the kind of devotion he's offering. Now remember, Jesus had also talked about hate there for a moment. Let me read you two quick texts that help us think about why on earth it is Jesus would want us to sort of despise or disregard, disregard the other. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Man, that's hard to believe at different times. But Jesus is saying it right there. Or Ecclesiastes, just to make, maybe, you know, maybe uh, greed is not your thing. Like maybe you don't struggle with that. Listen to what Ecclesiastes says. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain? Since they toil for the wind, all their days they eat darkness. They eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Do you hear the idea of light again? We come in with nothing, and no matter how hard you work, 30, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you're leaving without it. What if your ultimate hope is in that art collection that David and Ezra have? You're not taking it with you. Or the Sultan's car collection. Jesus is inviting us to something greater, to have a treasure that is untouchable. Do you have a hobby? Sometimes maybe people think about Christianity like a hobby, right? A hobby is something you do for fun. It's something you do with extra time. It's something that you do that if for some reason something else comes up, you're happy to say, I can't do that hobby. Like, hobbies are a good thing. We, we should have hobbies. But is Christianity a hobby? The thing is, we can act like it's a hobby. And actually, if you've been following Jesus any amount of time, there are times where you, as a follower of Christ, discover areas where you're not loving God 
or you're loving something else more than you love who He is, or you've given yourself, your affections, your heart, your treasure to something other than who He is, and you remember Jesus' words, and you say, wait a minute, where is my treasure? God is not meant to be something that just applies on Sunday mornings or when you're desperate. It certainly does. If you're in a spiritual place, like in a journey where you're like, I'm so desperate, and I really haven't looked to God before, so I shouldn't look to Him now, no, that's not what I'm saying. Of course He hears you in your desperation, but He wants so much more for you. He wants your very treasure, your heart, your whole body to encounter a kind of grace that can transform you, that can build you up, that can remind you that you are actually the target of the affections of the Lord Most High. Jesus offers, our Master offers, a treasure given by God protected by Him that's able to sustain us when all the other treasures decay and are destroyed. Where's your hope? You know, Hebrews, when they were young, when, when in the Older Testament, they were all taught to memorize this thing called the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength? Are you seeing the wholeness of what God wants to do? He's like, if you want to know what it means to have a relationship with me, have faith in what I've done with you and my son. Have faith in the cross. Have faith that the resurrection's real. But here's how interested I am in you. I want your mind, and I want your heart, and I want your strength. Because I made you. And I have so much more for you. And those other things are ultimately going to leave destruction in their wake. Okay, so we come to this question. What are you devoted to and why? What are you really devoted to and why? You know, uh, what do you really give your heart to? Or, ask the question as Jesus does, be honest, what do I really treasure? Like, I really treasure reputation. And if my reputation can be such that I'm really going to be full, Jesus is saying, that's a dark light, it's actually not real. It's not going to give you what you hope it does. It's not going to give you what it promises it will give you. Now, what are you really looking to as your treasure? Maybe your treasure is protecting someone. Like, I've got to protect this person. I'm in a stage of life as a parent where the idea that I can keep my kids from going out into the world is not reasonable. Uh, Noah and Avery do not plan on coming and moving into our house, at least permanently. If that ever happens, they're welcome to come live with us. But I have to entrust them to Jesus. I can't be their savior. Shocker. But there's a savior who can be. There's a place where they can put their treasure, where God's grace will be significant enough for them. The core question of the soul, to look inside ourselves and ask this simple question and let it apply everywhere, is what do I treasure? Jesus is offering his kingdom. He's offering his presence. He's offering his grace. A place where your heart can be also. Well, think about it like this. Let's turn the question around for a minute, okay? Okay, Jesus, what do you treasure so we know where your heart is? God's devotion, God's heart. Read back in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Where's God's treasure? Where is treasure? Where's his heart? His heart's for us. Jesus is not inviting us into a one-sided relationship where somehow we're devoted to God and he goes, that's right. He does receive it. 
Jesus is inviting us into a relationship that already exists. He's saying, listen, the Father loves you. You are a treasured possession. His heart is for you. I want you to engage in that. I want you to respond to it. I want you to live in the peace of that. Or think about Christ's devotion. Where's Christ's heart? If you're going to go on, we're only going to preach through uh, Matthew chapter 7 in this sermon series. But if you read Matthew chapter 8 and 9, let's look at what it is that Jesus treasures. I'm just going to read the titles that are probably in your Bible for this. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. The faith of the centurion. This is the centurion who comes to Jesus and says, my daughter's sick, will you please heal her? And he does. Jesus heals many. That's the next one. Jesus restores two demon-possessed men. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Jesus calls Matthew. Jesus heals the blind and the mute. Where is Jesus' treasure? His people. If you haven't pondered that, this is a great time for you to do that as we make our way towards Easter. Ponder this. Jesus considers you a treasured possession. His heart, because that's where his treasure is, is with you. And he's inviting you into experiencing and reflecting that and inflecting on that and basking in it. He's saying, I want more for you than what any other treasure can provide because they're liars. It's a kind of light that if you'll believe, what's going to happen is it's going to begin to shape you and you're going to discover it is a deep darkness. Whether it's political agendas or it's certain ideas or whatever, it's got to be second, third, fourth, fifth to this ultimate treasure of God's love for you. Okay, let me read you this quote. This is from Dr. Doriani's commentary on the book of Matthew. If you're looking for a good commentary on Matthew, this is a great one. Kyle and I were both students of Dr. Doriani's. I want to read this to you. It's a good summary of, of, of what's going on in this text. Dr. Doriani says this, The Bible says the issues of life proceed from the heart. Here, Jesus says the body finds its direction for good or ill through the eyes. A person with good sight walks in the light. A healthy eye gives direction to all of life. The eye affects the whole body just as the heart directs all of life. Ambition to serve God throws light on everything. Ambition to serve oneself plunges all into darkness. It creates pride. It makes us self-indulgent. It crushes charity. Jesus wants more for us. What do you treasure? Do you, do you treasure the fact that God cherishes you, that God loves you, that He's inviting you into experiencing a relationship with Him where you are the object of His affections? You know, this week, you know, I don't know, I don't get spring break this week, but if, but if you happen to be a person who gets spring break this week, you know, think about that idea of where am I with God with this diagnostic question, what do I treasure? Because what I treasure, that's where my heart is. And remember that God treasures you and his heart is with you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, it is so humbling to consider the reality that we are your treasured possession. That just as Jesus said there in Matthew 6 that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, that that is, that is also true of you. That what you treasure, that's where your heart is. And your heart is with us. Would you make real the power of your message of grace to us this week? Would you take the words that Jesus speaks to us and let it be a diagnostic tool where we ask ourselves, what do I really treasure? Like, What is really central to me? 
And maybe by the power of your Spirit, would you give us the faith to believe that what you offer in your promises and in your grace is something that if we treasure, our heart will be there, we will be in a place of protection, being watched over by you and experiencing your grace. We would ask all this in the name of our Savior, our treasured one. Amen.